Are you bored living a mediocre life? We were too, and we know how to change that. Each week, we'll leave our comfort zones to explore a new topic, then step onto our soapboxes, a safe space to sound off on our latest adventure. Come explore with us. All opinions are welcome. This is a mindset. This is a lifestyle. This is Siren Soapbox. Fellow explorers, welcome to Siren Soapbox. We're on a mission to explore and we love to dive into new experiences. Are you ready to explore something new? Dive into sirensoapbox.com, our brand new website, just completely redone, where you can find out what we're up to next. So many things in the world to explore. Join us on our next, next adventure as we learn something new about the world and ourselves. Every siren loves to travel. Research shows that travel changes us for the better. In an article about this very topic, World Packers looked at 11 different studies to see how travel can change our perspective. Researchers found that exposing our brains to new languages, smells, tastes, and sights improves our creativity. They also found that travel decreases our chances of suffering from things like depression and stress. Traveling just makes us happier and traveling with a partner has positive effects on long-term relationships. It makes us less fearful and more open-minded. It's like the old famous quote says, we travel not to escape life, but for life not to escape us. The Sirens just finished reading Nick Levy's book, this book belongs to. It's a tale about one woman's travels through South America and all of the treasures she found along the way. Another woman's travel book, adventure, courage, friends, life lessons, the love of her life, and herself. Tonight, we're going to talk about the book and our own travel life lessons. If our conversation gets a little too intense for anyone, the safe word to make it all stop is... Mango. First up on the soapbox is Pete, Siren TC. Quite a while ago, when I was living alone in my hometown of Hamilton, Ohio, my mom used to record two cable stations for me to watch. These were recorded on VHS cassettes, no less, the Nature Channel and the Travel Channel. I've always been in love with the idea of and the act of travel. My husband and I travel pretty frequently, but our trips are typically long weekends to 10 days. I've never been on a trip longer than that. So the idea of months of travel at a time is very interesting and foreign to me. I'm not sure I wanna do it. I loved reading about Ellie's adventures in This Book Belongs To, and I was definitely rooting for her to not go home. Some of my favorite book moments and quotes. To not attempt it, that would be the only failure. Ellie said that. You know, I have this theory that no one is ever really ready for anything. So now is just as good a time as any. Nora. To be the star of our own movie, now that's what life should be like. Ellie. Once you accept that life isn't perfect and never will be, You'll be free to enjoy life as it is. Remember, we don't have nearly as many days as we'd like. Mary. The only things I regret 
are those chances I didn't take. Mary. There's a lot of Mary quotes in here. I really loved her. Everybody gets hurt. It's the price we pay for love. Also Mary, which reminds me of a Bob Marley quote. He said, truth is everybody is going to hurt you. You just got to find the ones we're suffering for. Next quote from the book. Just do what makes you happy, Ellie, every single day of your life. Because if you're not happy, then what am I doing on this planet? And that's a combo, Mary and Ellie quote. It was fun getting to know Ellie and Jerry and all of the people who came into their lives. And now I miss them. And I'm hoping for a book too. So now what? I'm traveling to Europe for the first time in June. We're going to drive around the island of Ireland. I found a travel book called Drive Around Ireland, Your Guide to Great Drives by Donna Daly. Our little group is going to take turns writing in the margins of this book about our experiences, offering ideas and advice for those who travel after us. Then we're going to leave the book in Dublin and a new travel tradition for our trips is born. I loved this book and I can't wait to follow Bella's example. Jess, did you like the book? I love the book so much. And I think that we need to plan a siren soapbox retreat to South America after reading it. I loved the vivid descriptions of the towns, the food, the sights, and everything that Ellie experienced on her journey. I will admit that I'm not sure if I'm brave enough to try hostels or in shape enough for some of the hikes that she did, but I'm definitely curious to try. I also really wanna find a guidebook to somewhere new with special notes. The closest I've ever experienced to something like that was secondhand course books in college, and usually the notes were not helpful, but it could be interesting. I think I found a secondhand book store, bookstore on the island, but I didn't get a chance to check it out before today because I was super sick for the last couple of weeks. I didn't like being sick, but it did give me a chance to finish the book uninterrupted, which was great because I really didn't want to put it down. So at least I didn't have to worry about work interrupting my fun. I will let you know after I go check out the secondhand bookstore to see what kind of adventures I can find there. So, Sara, what did you think of the book? I absolutely loved this book belongs to. Almost from the very beginning, I was hooked. Well, definitely by page 22, where Ellie, Ellie Bartlett says, I can do whatever I want, immediately followed up by finding her mind cleared. And as, as Nick, the author writes, it always does when you choose a path that restores your own power. I actually stopped reading at that point and just sat back and contemplated just what a, for lack of a better word, powerful statement that is. Not the just doing what you want, right, TC? That's not our favorite phrase necessarily, but making choices that take you out of situations that don't bring you happiness or satisfaction. That was the first bookmark that I made while reading this book, the first of about 20. I could probably spend this whole episode going over them all, but don't worry, I probably won't. There are so many parts of this book that are exactly what we talk about on Siren Soapbox all the time. For example, and TC already brought it up, that the only failure is to not attempt the challenging things in life, which is how Ellie takes herself, talks herself, sorry, into making her journey alone. But it's not just the messages delivered throughout the book that made it such a great read. It was also the writing style Nick Levy uses. At one point, when he's describing the animals in the rainforest, I could actually see them in perfect color all around me. 
It reminded me of one of my favorite author series in which I got cold reading a passage because it was described so well. I also liked the way the story was set up at the very beginning where we're left wondering how exactly Ellie and Jerry were going to intersect. I really enjoyed how that played out. All right, I could go on forever, but I will say that I have a real desire to visit every single place that Ellie went. It was such an epic trip of a lifetime. So as far as our challenge for this episode, I did make it to the Half Price Bookstore, but I found the same issue that I think the other sirens did. TC had brought this up in one of our chats. They don't sell books with notes in the margins at Half Price Bookstores. I did find the travel section and did a little browsing and dreaming, so that was fun. For a little adventure that I can take now though, I did pull out our adventure challenge book and scratch off a date for Bill and I. And it's been a busy week, so we're planning on doing that one this coming weekend. So speaking of adventures and traveling, Nick Levy loves traveling and writing to understand the world and our place in it. An award-winning scriptwriter and novelist, he has lived in dozens of countries, including Australia, the USA, Singapore, Mexico, Peru, and Thailand. His passion for adventure has taken him from the highlands of Scotland to the coral reefs of Belize, and from the pyramids of Egypt to the tea plantations of Sri Lanka. With degrees in English, history, and education, he has taught in schools on three continents. His writing, directing, and producing work in movies has crossed the genres of comedy, drama, thriller, and action. Inspired by his parents' love of travel, film, and books, he enjoys taking readers on a journey of discovery so that they can appreciate our incredible planet and its fascinating inhabitants. inhabitants. Tonight, Nick joins us from Nairobi, Kenya, no less. Sirens, please join me in welcoming Nick Levy to this episode of Siren Soapbox. Yay, welcome. Thank you to all the sirens. Thank you for your very, very kind welcome and introductions. I appreciate it. Well, we're happy to have you here, Nick. And uh, Nick, we know that you have traveled to so many exciting and unique places in the world. We're curious, if you only had enough time to tell one of your travel stories, which would you tell? It's a very tough question, Sarah. Uh, I think I would tell the story of uh, a young 12-year-old girl that I met. Uh, she was part of a very small community of people who live on floating islands made from cut reeds uh, on Lake Titicaca in Peru. And there's only about 2,000 of these, um, these people left. They're called the Aymara people. And yeah, they live on these floating islands of cut reeds. And I was uh, lucky enough to uh, meet someone on solid land who uh, would let me stay with their family for uh, about four days on one of the islands, just me and the family. And I met a young 12-year-old girl uh, on that island called Dina. Um, and she she couldn't speak a lot of English and I couldn't speak any, any Aymara language, uh, but we just had an absolutely wonderful time together, um, seeing how they lived. The, the islands are about the size of a basketball court um, and we used to play volleyball together. She loved having someone stay on the island with her who could play volleyball and occasionally the ball would, you know, just roll off the end of the island into Lake Titicaca and she would go dive for it and pull it out and we'd continue like this for hours. Um, and, you know, what it, it taught me and what it reminds me of is 
people are just living vastly different lives to our own in, in incredible circumstances. And, you know, it reminded me that this girl who had so very little was just so absolutely full of joy. And, you know, in the developed Western, fairly wealthy uh, countries, we, we often lose sight of, um, you don't need a whole lot to be happy. <laughs> and, you know, she, she obviously didn't have a phone, she didn't have Wi-Fi, she didn't have a computer, she didn't have any of those things. Um, but she was just incredibly happy and just wanted someone to play with. And, you know, I love moments like that in your travels where it just it just grounds you again and it just reminds you, I don't need all these things that I've convinced myself or society's convinced myself that convinced me that I need to be happy. Um, and it also made me just feel very grateful for the life that that I'm able to live to travel around and meet these people. It just always travel fills me with gratitude every day. So I, I'm very fortunate to be able to experience that. Love how travel reminds us that we don't need much. Like you, you put everything you're going to need in a suitcase and away you go and that's it. And then you come home or even if you just, when you stay somewhere, whether it's like an Airbnb or a hotel, you just don't need all of the stuff that we have. And it's, it's a nice reminder. Did you say the islands were the size of a basketball court? Yeah, but they're about the size of a basketball court. Yeah, and just made for reeds. And obviously they have to cut, they're very long reeds. They have to cut them every day um, to add to the island because, you know, the island keep, parts of the island keep floating away. So they have to, every day they're cutting reeds, packing it on to make sure that they're, you know, they don't, um, they don't, I guess, disintegrate in the middle of the night. And you sleep on this island and, you you know, you feel the waves going up and down in, in the lake all night. Um, so it was quite an amazing experience. If you ever get to Lake Titicaca in Peru, it, it's, it straddles Peru and Bolivia. If you ever get the chance to, to go to Lake Titicaca, it's quite an amazing um, place to meet those people. Great. Huh. Now I have to add that to the list. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea anything like that existed. I'm, I'm, I'm going to oh. be honest. No idea. Huh. It's, it's quite remarkable, isn't it? Anytime you... Um, I think just one of the the main reasons I wrote the book was to encourage people, and you you all picked up on it in your introductions, was to encourage people to get out of their comfort zone, because I I really believe in um, you're going to see some amazing things if you just step outside these little boxes we make for ourselves. I think in the book I called it called called it a prison. Ellie's in this prison of her own making, and as soon as she opens the door, because it's her own prison, she can she can walk out of this routine and this life she's made for herself. You're just going to encounter some absolutely amazing things that will stick with you forever and impact you and and change you. And that's that's why I wrote the the book and and wrote it from Ellie's perspective. And you know, it was a I'm paraphrasing the quote here, but it was the late great you know, traveling chef Anthony Bourdain, who said, you know, even if you can't, if you don't have the means to travel overseas, if you just get off your couch and walk across the street, <laughs> something amazing is going to happen. And I, I really believe that. I do too. So is there an Ellie in your life? Uh, no, actually, I think I'm the Ellie uh, in my <laughs> own life at the, at the moment. That's awesome. Yes. But I met so many uh, wonderful women traveling, and that's why I decided to write from a 
from a women's perspective, I was on a, a, a big backpacking trip through South America. And, you know, I was just so inspired by the women that I met who were backpacking, sometimes with friends, boyfriends, husbands, families, kids, sometimes alone. Uh, I was just like, inspired by their courage and I thought I would love to write a book from a female's perspective and hopefully you know be able to pull that off and had a lot of feedback from all my female friends and family to to improve my first uh draft <laughs> to try to capture the female voice and the female experience um better than I than I originally did um just because I, I think it does take a lot of courage to step out of our, our prisons our boxes our, our routines um but once you once you do that you it's it's hard to ever i think it's hard to ever go back to the way you were you'll be forever changed if if you're able to travel and experience new things and new people i was just going to say you did a, a, an excellent job as far as i'm concerned of of speaking as an ellie um oh thank you sarah it was uh it was very easy to believe that uh, that Ellie was um, not you. <laughs> so, Sarah, when you started reading the book, did you realize that it was written by a man? Because I didn't pay attention to that at first. I, I didn't either. Because, you know, we, we get our, our um, you know, challenges that, were, that are coming up and we, we do read it. And um, not that uh, Nick Levy, of course, wasn't immediately in in my brain, uh, but actually it wasn't. Um, and so when I came back to it, I thought, no way, no way. Um, no, you did a great job. Thank you. Yeah, same here. I read the book and then later I went back and I did some research on the author because I knew you were going to be on our show. And I was like, whoa, it's written by a man. And I almost wanted to go back and read it a second time because I, <laughs> I didn't pick up on that. It's really interesting. And it's kind of mind blowing when you realize that a man wrote about the thoughts a woman was having. It was just interesting. Well, thank you, TC. I, I probably I have I will owe a lot to my my proofreaders and my beta readers who are all women. Um who Smart definitely <laughs> Yeah, my sister, my godmother, a lot of close uh, close friends and, and beta readers and professional professional uh, female writers as well who who helped guide me on that. It wasn't just writing, um, you know, from the female perspective. What I found um, to be pretty really engaging was the fact that you really follow Ellie's transformation and all the thoughts and feelings that she's having as she goes through that transformation from beginning to end, and just a lot of perspectives and insights that. Um, that, like I said, I took so many notes and and bookmarked so many pages just because they they all struck a struck a nerve. Um, so I enjoyed that very much. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. That's definitely something I wanted to to show people. Was that it's it's never you may make a decision to travel, but the things you learn and the the courage that you get develops along the way and it ebbs and flows and you're going to be you know ellie is hit with a myriad of obstacles in her way that she has to navigate and overcome and at any point she could have jumped on a plane and gone home which we we all can do and we've all thought about at some point just get me out of here i've had enough i need to go back to you know like a safer space emotionally or physically 
Um, but, so it is a transformation and I'm, I'm glad that that was evident because everything Ellie goes through is meant to lead her up to the point where she can, you know, make these final big decisions about what she wants to do with her life and where she wants to go and who she wants to spend it with. You could see her change as a person as well. There were parts of the book. I always really enjoy reading um, books that where the main character is a an independent, strong female. I just like that. Um, and there were a couple parts in the book where I was thinking, man, Ellie, you're being really judgmental right now. And it really bothered me. I didn't like it. In fact, I book, I bookmarked it a couple times. I was going to call you out on it a little bit back when I thought you were a woman. And, uh, and then <laughs> it was really fun when Ellie, later in the book, she talks about her own self as being judgmental and being less judgmental over time. And you could see that happen as the book progressed. Um, and that was really nice. When I when it first happened, the first time, well, probably not the very first time, but the one time it bothered me the most. And I was thinking, man, I like her so much less now. But then she did. And then and then I had this whole conversation with my husband about how I was being judgmental about someone being judgmental. And it was like, <laughs> it was like meta judgmentalness. <laughs> this whole conversation yeah. about it. But it was neat to watch her develop over time. And that's what travel yeah, that's, does. It does, TC. And that's a really interesting observation about her, how judgmental she was. And that's definitely a, a conscious choice that I wanted her to, to be that way because I feel when we're traveling, where you know, our senses are on, on high alert and we tend to judge um, every situation through these heightened emotions. And, and often that's, you know, just in built in us for our own safety. We're, we're judging all these situations and all these people to find out if it's safe. Do we want to, um, you know, these are sort of people that we want to spend time with. And so hopefully over time through the book, um, she became more, you know, more accepting and more tolerant of different situations and different people because travel will you know, absolutely open our minds to to become more tolerant. I was, my husband and I had a long conversation about being judgmental and how much of it you could, like how, how cognizant you could be of your own tendencies toward judging people. Cause we all do it. I don't know that you could ever not be judgmental in some way, shape or form, but you can certainly strive to be less so, or maybe, uh, less negatively. So, or something, I don't know, but we, we, it was a. That's how you know you're reading a good book when it strikes up these conversations where I read a part of it to him and we go into this half hour conversation about can people be non-judgmental. I'm glad it sparked that debate with your husband. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the the dates in there because the the passage of time sometimes gets a little like wonky when you're just like oh she's in this place oh now she's in this place and you're just kind of like oh she's just traveling all over the place but when you realize that it's actually over the course of months and that she has all these different experiences of like a big city and then she goes to these 
tiny little places and then she does the the teaching and like it just impacts her to want to give back and so she decides to do the volunteerism and just all the different phases and types of places that she goes to too was really interesting to me and I uh I like that she had a phase of of wanting to give back and and more of the the volunteer tourism because I live in Hawaii and so that's actually something that Hawaii as a state is really trying to push is volunteer tourism and getting to experience things that aren't your luau's and your boat tours and things like that and experiencing something that you might not and a culture that you might not by by volunteering plus usually it's free which I mean doesn't everyone want free things to do when they're traveling because it could add up <laughs> well that's wonderful to hear Jess and I think what what I wanted to show with Ali volunteering and, and teaching at the school was you know that was really you know, in many ways, the highlight of her trip, despite the fact that she went all the places that she'd always dreamed of going as a child and have had all these wonderful experiences with people and nature and, and animals, being able to give back was, you know, just this absolute highlight for her and touched her and changed her. Um, and I, yeah, I wanted to get her out of that. I guess that mode we travelers often fall into is, oh, I've just got to go to the next site in the guidebook and I've got to see the next site. I've got to tick it off my list. I've got to keep moving. Um, so for her to go to one place, stay in one place, actually, you know, interact with the people on a deeper level, which I, as, as travelers is something that we should always try to push ourselves to do if at all possible. Um, that's what I wanted to, sh to show to that because it does have a profound impact on you. If you get to know the locals more than just your tour guide, say if you're on a tour, um, if you really get to know locals more, that's it's going to have such a profound impact on you and your life. And you're going to meet people like I was, you know, telling the story of, of Dina, the little girl who lived on the, the island made of reeds. You meet people that you, you'll never forget those experiences and those experiences will change you forever, like the like the group of school kids did to Ellie in, in the Sacred Valley in Peru. Yeah, it's interesting. Some of my favorite travel memories are just simple conversations that I had with people, like asking, yes. I like to, when I go to New York City, I like to ask the cab drivers. Most of them aren't from New York City. In fact, many of them aren't from the States at all. And so it's always really interesting for me to learn why they came to the United States, to New York City, and why are they a cab driver? And the answers, they're they're very, I don't know, it's very different. It's just fun sometimes just to have conversations. We like to go into uh, like locals bars, places that the locals hang out and just try to share a table or sit next to somebody at a bar and talk to them. I mean, again, I've never gone anywhere for longer than 10 days. I don't know that I have done anything as deep as Ellie did, but it is fun to just learn what you can learn from people. Yeah, you're absolutely right, TC. And I always, you know, as a former English teacher, I always used to tell my students, there's really only five or six questions you can ask, you know, who, what, 
when, but the, the questions that are going to elicit the most interesting answers are the, the why and how questions. You know, why are you here and how did you get here? Uh, if you ask people those questions, um, you're just going to get the most interesting responses and find out that people in the world have just led the most interesting, fascinating, challenging lives to get to the place they are. Um, yeah, really, and really, and really, you could be inspired every day. You know, if, if you leave your house and interact with people, you can really be inspired and, and grateful every day for the, the, the opportunities we have. So I'm just looking at all of us here and realizing that we're all on a different landmass everybody on this call tonight. And so we're, we're traveling via the internet instead of via for real, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm on the Island of St. Croix in the Caribbean. Jess. I'm on Kauai in Hawaii. And I'm uh, in uh, Northern Kentucky in the States. And I'm in Nairobi, Kenya at the moment, <laughs> Africa, <laughs> continent of Africa. So what has you traveling there right now? I left, uh, I, I went back to Australia. I'm from Melbourne. I went back to Melbourne, Australia at the start of COVID. I was living in Southeast Asia and everything started shutting down. Um, so I thought I better get back to my family just in case this thing goes on for longer than a month, which I, I thought was the maximum that it was going to go on for. I thought I'd be traveling again <laughs> in a month. Uh, but I got stuck back in Australia for two years because they were pretty harsh restrictions and the whole country closed its borders for you know pretty much two years so as soon as they opened up again about February last year yeah February 2022 I I thought it's about time that I went and explored Africa I'd done a few little things but I really wanted to do a, a deep dive and do a a large overland trip um I did some independent traveling on my own, but I did a large overland trip on one of those trucks where you go camping for a few months, uh, starting in Cape Town and going up in South Africa and going up through Namibia, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Malawi. I'm, I'm, I'm missing a few countries in there. We ended up at Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda, sort of camping the whole way and often camping in, in national parks where, you know, you would have elephants and lions and hippos and giraffes walk through your camp and you'd have to scramble for safety <laughs> to make sure you didn't get trampled or eaten so that was something I dreamed of doing my whole life and challenging obviously all travel in its own way is, is challenging I think even five-star travel is going to be challenging and frustrating um, but a camping trip through uh, African national parks for two months. I think I ended up camping. It was about 74 days in, in the end, because it included a, I, I climbed Kilimanjaro, which was an eight day uh, summit in amongst there. It was a lot of camping and I had a wonderful, wonderful time um, doing something I'd always dreamed of and got a lot of material for another book. Is another that... Ellie book? Um. I'm not sure I should say yet, TC. The, the, the second <laughs> okay, book, okay. which I know you were, it, it was at the question you said at the start that you might ask me a question about the, the next book that's coming. Yeah. The next book that's coming up is not an Ellie book. Um, it's not set in Africa. It's set in uh, Southeast Asia. 
particularly it's said in India, Sri Lanka, and the Philippines, which are all places that I've um, traveled and lived before. Um, so that will be out towards the end of this year. We're editing it at the moment. Um, nice. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all written, mostly there, needs some edits to improve it in various ways. But uh, towards the end of this year, that will be out. And the one that's ticking over in the back of my head and I'm making notes about is, is an Africa one after that. Very exciting. Well, we can't wait for there. that. So have you yourself visited all of these locations that, that Ellie visited on her trip? I, I, yeah, I visited most of them. Um, I think about 90% of what Ellie did, I did, not in that particular order. Um, but yeah, I spent a good almost two years backpacking uh, through South and, and Central America. Um, yeah, I mean, the book starts off obviously with Ali, you know, fulfilling a childhood dream to, to climb the flat-topped Mount Roraima in Venezuela, you know, something she'd read about with her dad when she was a little girl. And, and that was exactly my experience. I'd read The Lost World by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle uh, as a little boy, and I'd always wanted to climb this flat-top mountain in Venezuela, this mysterious mountain, because nobody had ever been up there for you know, till about the late 1800s. So, you know, the the great, you know, rumor was that it'd been cut off from the rest of civilization and there were still dinosaurs up there. So as a, as a young boy or girl, that's kind of an appealing thing to go explore. Um, I can report there's no dinosaurs up there, but it's still, <laughs> it's still a lo lovely place to visit. Um, and, you know, the idea for the, the book actually came from, I, I had landed, the first spot I'd landed was in, in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil for Carnival, the, you know, the biggest party in the, in the world on the streets of Rio. And I'd met an Australian uh, woman there who was traveling solo. And she had this very thick, I didn't have a guidebook. I can't remember why I didn't bother taking one, but I just didn't have one. She had this very thick guidebook. And we randomly bumped into each other over about three months at different places in Brazil. And the last place we bumped into each other was was on the Brazil-Argentina border at Iguazu Falls, the big, the big waterfalls. And she had to head back to Australia for work. And she gave me her guidebook. She said, Nick, you know, I know you, you, your plan is to keep traveling. Why don't you have this guidebook for South America? I said, well, that's very kind. Um, and it just j jumped into my head for some reason. I said, why don't you write your name and email address in the front um, so that I can you know, contact you and let you know how my travels went. And she'd actually started writing some annotations in this, this guidebook. So that's where the idea for, for Ellie's story came from was, um, you know, just finding this random guidebook that some other travelers had had annotated in order to help other travelers because we should help each other when we're, when we're traveling. Love that idea. And I really searched for a guidebook to anywhere that had been written in. So I looked on, like I looked on eBay and there's a, a site called, uh, an app called Poshmark where you can buy used things. I looked all over the place and all of them advertise that there are no marks on the pages and that they wouldn't sell a book that they wouldn't buy themselves. And I'm like, but I want marks on the pages. <laughs> and I was talking to my husband about whether or not you could start like a group of people, maybe like a Facebook group or something where every time you travel, you annotate the book and then you send it off to the next person who's going to that area. Like we recently did the, um, the Pacific Coast Highway and that would have been 
we made so many mistakes on that trip. Like the Oregon coast is really beautiful. I wasn't prepared for that. We didn't spend enough time there, but we had planned some things further down. So we had to keep going. And I thought, man, I would love to let people know that they should spend more time in Oregon because it was really beautiful. It would be so cool though, to start like a Facebook group of people who love to travel, who are willing to buy a guidebook and just write in it as much as possible and then pass it on. That's a lovely Maybe idea, TC. I never thought of starting a Facebook group to do that, but that's a wonderful idea. I think I'll look into that. I would love to get yes. one of your books, Nick. You would have, <laughs> it sounds like you would have one. Oh, best. thank you. <laughs> well, isn't it one of the most, the most wonderful things is being able to share your travel experiences, isn't it? Often with your family and friends, but also with strangers and and sometimes in your travels, you you randomly meet people who say, oh, wow, you should go do this. If you've got a, a spare hour or two tomorrow, you should do this before you have to leave. And sometimes they just lead to the most wonderful, memorable experiences. So, yeah, being able to share our our travel journeys is a, is a one, whether it's in a, an annotated notes in a guidebook or, or verbally with friends or uh, in a novel or sometimes just in a diary to ourselves to remind ourselves in our in our older years what we what we had gone through it, it's wonderful can do that. especially because a lot of those really like a lot of I think about a lot of my favorite travel memories are accidental they weren't planned yeah. and I would love for other people we we went to St. Lucia and we were looking for this bread called Labad. And so we're walking through this little tiny town on this little island in the Caribbean. And somebody walks up and asks us if, if they can help us, if he can help us. And we're like, we're looking for Lababad. And he said, oh, you need the Lababad lady. She's by the uh, the big mango tree downtown. Now, St. Lucia is full of fruit trees. And so that was confusing until we found the big mango tree. And it was massive. And there's like all these tables of, with people selling things under this tree. And so I can't remember the lava bad lady's name, but everyone knew her as the lava bad lady. And so uh, we were walking around asking and somebody walked up and said, oh, she already went home. She sold out. Come on, I'll take you to her house. <laughs> and so this stranger is taking us to the lava bad lady's house. And she had some lava bad that she was saving for someone. She's like, here, I'll give you this and I'll make more. And so we ended up with this huge bag of lava bad. And all of that was a completely accidental thing. But I would just like to tell people, when you go to Souffre, try to find the lava bad lady. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fantastic story. Isn't that well, wonderful? My husband and I took CC6 a few years ago. And, um, you know, we had all the guidebooks and and there are some very good ones um but we did get on a facebook page that is a you know route 66 facebook page and you do get a little bit of that advice and suggestions um of course unfortunately the problem you run into when you're doing something like that in a facebook group is then everybody's got some comment and it's kind of a negative-ish place for the most part, is even if you try to avoid those, those. I mean, you would think, oh, a Route 66 Facebook page, I'm sure that this is gonna be all be great, but um, it would be so much more fun to have a Facebook page where you're just a group, not a, necessarily a page, but a group of people that you're passing these books to. 
these annotated guidebooks. I love that idea. Mm -hmm. You know, another thing I tried to start once was a book club where you buy a book and you open the cover and in the front cover, you tell why you chose the book that you chose and you sign it and put your email address. And then you write things in the margin the whole way through. And then at the end of every month, if you have 12 people at the end of every month, you mail your book to the next person who uses a different color ink and also writes in the margins and you just keep passing the book on to someone else. I thought that would be, it's not really travel related, but I'm always interested in what other people pull from something that they read because it's usually different than what I pull. And of course, a different color ink, TC, you and your different <laughs> color ink. Nick, you should see her pen collection. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Hey, I'm all for colored pen collections. I'm with TC on this. <laughs> I got I got my own colored pen collection here when I'm traveling. So I'm with you on that, TC. Thank you. <laughs> Any other travel stories that anyone wants to share? Like a favorite story or a favorite place? Yeah, I would love to hear from um, more of you guys. What what is a place that you, you know had a real impact on you? Or maybe there's somewhere where you're thinking about going that has always been a dream ireland and iceland next year but i'm yeah i'm not going to say unfortunately because i'm i'm looking forward to it but it is a, a guided tour with a school group with um with our, our youngest um child uh so there will be a lot of that quick get back on the bus so that we can go see the next place but i'm not sure that when i'll have the opportunity to go to those places anytime soon anyway and i at least want to get a glimpse of some of those things that I've always wanted to see. I um, was born in England. And so it's always, you know, I, going to Ireland has always been something that I've wanted to do. So I'm very excited about doing that. And then Iceland, of course, you know, so well, cool. It's very exciting, Sarah. And having been and led school trips myself, I, yes, they can, they can be a bit like that, but they're also just Watching this, the students, the young, the young people experience a new place and new culture is, I love watching that as well. So, you know, there's pros and cons to, to school trips. We really enjoyed the last one that we did, which was several years ago. Um, it was a World War II European trip. So we got to, you know, London and Paris and Berlin and Belgium. Uh, yeah. So, and Normandy. So that was a, another great one. So we're looking forward to doing this one. And coming up, we're doing one of those um, with our youngest. Again, he's uh, looking at colleges. So we're going on a Southern uh, SEC college tour. And we're just going to literally race from one um, little call one college town to the next and find some fun things to do in each town, um, including watching the Savannah Bananas, a minor league baseball team play. I don't know if anyone's heard of the Savannah Bananas, but you have to look it up. It's hilarious. They are basically the Harlem Globetrotters of minor league baseball. So we have some fun things coming up. I read an article about them here, all the way here in Africa. I've read about these. Yeah, they, they the are something bananas. to see. Yes. Yep. Amazing. So quick reveal. That was the part of the book that really bothered me. When Ellie was at a location and a guide like a guided tour bus pulled up and she was extremely judgmental of the people on that guided tour bus. And I was thinking, you know, 
those people are out exploring in their own way. There are a thousand reasons those people could be on a guided tour bus. Let loose a little bit, Ellie. Not too long ago, you wouldn't even have been on the bus, much less climbing a mountain with your backpack. So, <laughs> so there's ways to travel. Absolutely, Chief Seed. Um, yeah, that sort of goes to the comment I was making earlier about how she started off very judgmental and hopefully got more tolerant with people as the book went on. Because... Yes, I. People are judgmental in general, aren't we? It's, it's it's something we do for, you know, it's ingrained in us to judge others for our own safety and try to be part of our group and not part of that group. But the, your point is absolutely correct. There's a million ways to travel, and we should never judge how people choose to travel. Um, some people are not capable of traveling around on their own due to you know might be a disability or their age or uh, family. Um, so yes, there's a million ways to, to travel. And I, my, I would always advocate that whatever way is best for you, <laughs> because everybody's different. Um, I don't think most travelers would want to do it how I do it, which is mostly backpacking around. Um, I mean, in, I'm in a nice Airbnb, Air, yeah, I'm in a nice Airbnb at the moment, but sometimes I'll stay in hostels. Sometimes I'll be camping. Um, a lot of people don't like that and that's fine. Um, as long as they're happy doing it their way, they'll get something out of it for sure. I remember staying in youth hostels when I, I lived in Switzerland in Geneva. And so for our school trips, we didn't go to, you know, Long Branch Farm up the road. We were visiting Alsace or all these great places that we went. And we stayed in quite a few youth hostels. And that is an experience. And yes, it I, is. <laughs> I was 13, 14 years old at the time. And even then I realized, wow, this is an experience. <laughs> Especially, you know, if you're a young traveler, I mean, that 18 to, let's say, 18 to 26, 28, it's just such a great way to meet people, especially for a young, yeah, if you're a young single traveler, um, just to be able to meet people and, you know, you'll, you'll do things that you had never even thought of before because, you know, this group of people or friend, new friend that you've made overnight is going to suggest something and you go off on this grand adventure and um, they're one, they're wonderful for for that, and I also find that often when I land in a big city, I'll, the first place I'll stay is a, is a hostel because I find they have the best local tours because it's not some part of some big company. It's just usually someone who works at the hostel or a friend or family member of someone who works at the hostel will take you on this incredible walking tour of a city and you'll never have been able to go to these places otherwise. So uh, I find hostels incredibly useful for when you first land on the ground somewhere, you'll get the best tours and they'll be able to tell you the best local restaurants to eat as well because I'm a big foodie and food is a big part of my travel. So it's really important for me to find where's where's the best local food in the area. Yeah, I can, we can tell that food is a big part of your travels because we were, uh, at least I was hungry a lot of the time reading this book because just yeah. mouth-watering foods. Yeah. I wanted to eat all the food. <laughs> That's actually probably one of my my favorite trips that I've ever done was um, <clears throat> my brother lived in China for uh, about four years and met his wife there and they got married there. So we actually went there for the wedding and it was probably my favorite 
trip because I didn't have to plan a damn thing. Like I was told where we're going and what we're doing and where we're eating. And like the food was all amazing because it was just like the places that my brother and his now in-laws knew and they would just be like all right the cabs are downstairs get in the cabs we're going to this place and it was just like we we did stuff like the forbidden city and the great wall but we also did things like these small temples and like a like a confucius temple and um you know just like off the beaten path things that you know were really cool um and I think a lot of times my family and um, the folks that we were traveling around with became a tourist attraction because a lot of people there had never seen Americans before. And uh, my brother is six foot four. My husband is six foot eight. My sister had purple hair at the time. I have red hair and freckles. I got pet by a random old lady and my brother told me it's because she wanted to see what freckles felt like because she'd never seen them before wow so but it was just great because like I didn't have to plan a thing all I had to do was show up and experience the experience and it was great (laughs) sometimes that's the best travel isn't it when you can just experience it and not have to stress about where you're staying how you're getting there it's wonderful Jess when we wrap up an episode, we like to ask our guests what gets them out of their comfort zone. Um, and so I'm curious, when was the last time that something really pushed you out of your comfort zone and what you learned from it? Oh, um, well, besides all the camping, because I'm not much of a camper, to be honest, to be honest I'm, it's not really my preferred mode of sleeping because I don't sleep very well and it's tough to sleep in a tent when you're surrounded by animals um I I besides the camping this being able to climb Mount Kilimanjaro which is almost 6,000 meters high uh, which was the highest I'd ever been and I apologize if I, I can't convert that to to feet um because being in the metric system um but I I have spent some time in the Andes Mountains in South America before and the Himalayas in Nepal. And I, my brain, my body does not do well with altitude. I knew that. Um, and so for this eight days climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, I was, you know, I threw up on the first night and I didn't stop throwing up for eight days. <laughs> and I was wow. felt just nauseous every single step of the way and had a splitting migraine the whole way for the eight days so that really got me out of my comfort zone and pushed me to my absolute limit um some people don't have any trouble with altitude sickness at all which is good for them but I happened to suffer from it terribly so I was very thankful that I was able to reach the summit and you know then get back down as soon as possible before I felt like my brain was going to explode Wow. Um, so that really pushed me out of my comfort zone, do you see? And I, I wouldn't do it again. I said to myself, wonderful experience. I'm really glad I did that. You know, again, one of those things I wanted to do since I was a young boy. But I think I've had my fill of mountains. Like that's, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> so Throwing just, up for eight just, days doesn't sound fun. 
No. But just talking about that altitude, it reminded me of something I wanted to ask you um, because in the book, Ellie Goes Diving, are you a diver? I have gone diving, um, but again, I'm not, I've, I think I have a problem with balance and ears and pressure equalization because I, scuba diving really does, does me in. So these days I, I, I stick to snorkeling on the surface, <laughs> which makes, which is a lot more relaxing. It makes me a lot happier and. I do miss diving though. Yeah, I would love to be able to go diving again. It's been maybe four or five years since I've done that, but it just causes so many issues for me. Are you a diver, are you TC? We all are. Actually, that's how, well, that's how many Wonderful. of us met. And that's kind of what brought us all together um, with the exception wow. of, of Sara and I, we met in another way, but yeah, we're all divers. Oh, diving is just such an amazing activity, isn't it? It's just it takes you to a whole nother world. Yeah, I wish I could do it more often. Yeah. At least you so still envy, experience it envious from the of surface. All of you. Yeah, you do experience <laughs> most of it from most of it from the surface, but it would be great to go go to that down to that world again. Hopefully one day I can get back to it. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We will let you know when we make it to South America. <laughs> Can you let our listeners know where to find you? Yes, uh, everyone can find me on Facebook. If you uh, search for Nick Levy, L-E-V-Y author, same for Instagram, N-I-C-K-L-E-V-Y author. Um, you can head to nicklevyauthor.com and it's got all of my uh, links there as well. So anybody can find me there, please. I'm always happy to, I receive messages and emails all the time from from people asking questions about traveling or wanting to tell me about their experience. I always love hearing from, from readers. So if you'd like to get in contact, please don't hesitate. Great, thank you. Sirens, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and challenge results. I had a great time tonight. And thank you fellow explorers for listening to this episode. We want to challenge you to go to a bookstore and find a book with notes or you know, maybe start making your own like TC is going to do. Start making your own travel journal to pass on. Please rate and review our podcast wherever you're listening so that other explorers can find our show. And we appreciate you spending time with us. Until next time, dive in, stay curious, and be happy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Siren Soapbox. And a special thank you to C-Strings for providing our music snag your latest EP from iTunes today. Follow the sirens on all the social medias and don't forget to tell your friends about us. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Siren Soapbox.